Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchs. Right up front. Younger fed inside of the net. Doctor is now in. And happy Monday to you. And we're recapping a very busy Las Vegas weekend. It seems like we say that just about every weekend. But hey, we know what happened over the weekend. Saturday, 100,000 or so. Well over. 150. I want to know who counts this. It was just like someone asked me, like, you told me, like, oh, there's 11,000 people at game five there in the plaza. I'm going, well, somebody says, well, how do you know that's a number? I go, well, I have no idea. Think about it. There's no ticket takers. There's no turnstile. I mean, how do you know? I mean, once you get past, you know, eight, ten thousand. 10,000, I mean, how do you know? Who knows? In an open area. Who knows? You don't know. There's no capacity. You go to a ballpark. You look at a ballpark and you say, oh, it seats 42,789. Do the math. You can calculate. There's 36,912 there. But how do you know? Toshiba Plaza, the... The strip, the parade. We're going to talk about the parade today. We've got all of that. We've got sights and sounds. We don't have any sights because we're actually on the radio, so there are no sights. All right. Even though Marco would love to have sights for this show, because you know you get all kinds of great stuff here. You get dancing. You get people, you know, bumping their knees against wooden areas or metal things, or people losing their wallets, losing their mind. <laughs> He's laughing because. Nubchuck's going, what the heck are you talking about? Because we had all that Friday at the Westgate. How'd you recover, my friend? You feeling better today? A lot better than I did about 20 <laughs> minutes after the show on Friday. <laughs> and that's what I get. You know, the higher powers, uh, you know, they punished me for laughing as hard as I did whenever you wrapped your knee on set Friday at Westgate. <laughs> I left the Westgate, went, uh, pulled into a parking lot. I was going to get dinner. I get out of the car and... I've got no wallet in my backpack. Ouch. Hurried up and called you. You had already packed up and left. You, you must have had a free meal waiting somewhere that you were out of there that quick. <laughs> I think I know where you went. Uh, which day was that? Friday? Friday. You went chicken, didn't you? I did. I did. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't right after the show. It wasn't after the show. It was a little bit later. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You, got, you guys got, to, you got pictures of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so you were sweating bullets. And uh, I'm asking him, okay. How much cash you got in there? You got credit cards. What do you got? Get on the phone. Start, you know, calling your credit card companies. And, and, and what does he say? I thought I was talking to a woman. Seriously. You know what he says? Well, I got my Kohl's credit card on there. Oh, JC Penny no, and this like, and that. No, I'm no. going, what? No. I said. Oh, you said Kohl's. I, di- I said I carry two wallets. I said I carry the, the big important credit cards and driver's license and stuff is in the front pocket okay the back wallet has players cards for different casinos (laughs) and like Kohl's and all those yeah and macy (laughs) wait wait, wait. how do we get like say 
Circus, South Point, uh, Westgate, uh, with Coles. Yeah. Where does that come into play? This just in, there's no betting windows at Coles. No, there's not. But those are, that's what's in that wallet. Okay. And then the poker cash. Oh, that's po- what we were concerned about. The poker cash. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's laughing because yeah. he found the wallet. Yeah. Exactly where I told him it probably would be. There it is. There's no heist here. There's no bump and run. None of that. Just a pure fumbleitis from you, Jerome Bettis. <laughs> <laughs> At the goal line yeah. against the Indy Colts <laughs> on the way to the Super Bowl. Ouch. <laughs> I needed Ben for the, the fingertip trip right. to save the trip to the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. All right. We've got a lot. To, so I'm glad Marco found his wallet and, and my knee actually survived over the weekend. All right. So uh, Stanley Cup champions, the Vegas Golden Knights, get a chance to celebrate in grand fashion, obviously, on Saturday night. Uh, with the parade on the strip, the uh, party at T-Mobile. we got plenty of, of audio and sound that we are going to give to you with that. Um, Brian Salmon from News 3, our favorite sports director, he is going to be joining us, minus the yellow shirt that he was wearing on camera. God, it was so bright. I, I don't know what that was. Him and Jesse Merrick. And then, mm-hmm. again, I got a chance to see those guys last night as they were at the Aces, a pounding of the Minnesota Lynx last night. Hopefully you had the Aces minus 17 last night, Marco. They're making you pay a price. How high do you think the lines are going to get? Uh, I think that they may encompass 20 when you're playing a couple of the bottom feeders, depending on, you know, what happens, you know, down the road. But we've seen so many Aces lines between 14 and 18. We've seen that, yeah. you know, so you got that, but Aces uh, win by. What thirty one last 30, night? Yeah, yeah beautiful, be- beautifully done. So, um, hey, quick question yeah. for you. Yes, sir. When you talk to everybody mm-hmm. at the games, yeah, can you tell them to make the games a little bit more fu- uh, friendly for the fans? People are just like they're not. Hold on, thirty one. Why? <laughs> I-, I want like a, at least a halfway close. Make it like oh, ten. Oh, oh, okay. Competitive. So, so now you're a score snob. You're a victory margin snob. Now is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, at the end of the first quarter, it, it was tied. It was close, and even at halftime, it was close. It, yeah, they, they were ten. Yeah, I'll that. take ten. You had, you had a tie game there on Thursday night at the end of one. Then you had the explosion, and and that's what you got. Yeah. You know, so that's it. That's why don't you just uh, embrace the greatness uh, that you're seeing from the Las Vegas Aces and try to go back to back. You know, they're not trying. Here's a better idea. Why don't you just bet the Aces enjoy the blowouts? There you go. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to root for them to start missing buckets, the other team making buckets, so I get a close, entertaining game. Forget that. Come on. You know, it's more fun. Hey, I will say this, and again, not to make it about me, but. It is, it is more important. It, I mean, it's, it, I like it when there are closer games because then I got to go into storytelling mode. Like, cause you know, kind of yeah. like baseball games. Well, not like that. Cause yeah. you know, but baseball, when you have blowouts like that, you know, you got to go and you got to go deep into the archives with that. With basketball, at least, I mean, it's still up and down. So you don't have that, but it does make it more interesting from a play by play standpoint when it is relatively close. You, but no, even you have got to be like, Ace is up by 40. Good job. <laughs> I usually don't say good job, but I know. Anyway, sorry. You say boom shaka laka laka boom. Oh, that's very good. You you, you got, you got a good good pacing there as well too. Scott Savloff is going to join us today, as promised. We are going to talk to him about the U.S. Open, L.A. Country Club, uh, American won that. Wyndham Clark, all right, ten under par. We'll talk to him about that, but more importantly, going to talk to him about the big story for the last couple of weeks, which we really want to dive into with uh, our PGA, uh, you know. 
Ryder Cup producer, um, Scott Savloff. And, uh, he does a fantastic job covering golf with his podcast websites and the, and the tournaments that he's involved with, uh, the PGA and the Live Tour. So we're going to get into that, uh, next hour as well, too. But, uh, a lot of parade talk, you know, coming your way. Uh, this hour. But first and foremost, before we get into that, I see Marco is wearing his brand spanking new shirt, which is pretty cool. Oh, wait. And Numchuck is wearing oh. his brand spanking new hat. I know there's got to be stories behind this. These are two on the spot reporters. All right. Our breaking news on the spot reporters, as promised on Friday, that these two guys. Marco D'Angelo and Numchuck representing the TC Martin show. I don't know if you had the laminated credentials around your neck, you know, to, to go I, do, you know, say you're representing the show. You're giving it all to us. Mindset all right. totally count. I, I, I don't, I don't know what that meant, but I mean, <laughs> so I, I want to get to that in a minute. But first, since you guys are, are wearing your swag, um, do you feel like you, you paid the right price for your swag? That's you get, to be a, get a good deal, right? It's a decent oh, deal. Right. Decent. Unlike yeah. you, I do have to pay for stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the the what do we call it? Championship attire snob right now. Okay. Okay. I see exactly what both of you wear. Now I'm gonna describe this for our listeners. So Marco's got the 2023 Stanley Cup Champs shirt. The gray shirt with the the black and gold with the Stanley Cup, and I know that's why you chose that one. All right, that's the locker got, room shirt, the, isn't it? The, you got the mm-hmm. Fanatics logo on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, impressive. Numchuck has got the NHL 2023 Stanley Cup champions Vegas Golden Knight with kind of the steel gray uh, logo. Impressive. And what brand is that? Is that a is that a new era? He doesn't even know. He's got to look oh, at this. Y- yes, Fanatics. Fan- okay, it's Fanatics. Okay, so it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, the okay. locker room stuff. All right. So. Appreciate the swag. Swag's good. I can't do dated shirts. You know where I'm going with this? I can't do 2023 championship. or Because you know what happens. I, I don't want to wear it after 2023 is over. Because then it's saying, how many guys have you seen wearing, hey, 1991 champions? And they're still wearing it today. And what's the first thing that you think of? Man, that guy doesn't have a wardrobe, or that thing is eating mothballs. But you've seen it. I mean, you I know you guys have seen it. I've seen it. It's like people wear this old, old stuff. So I made it a point never to wear dated shirts. I'm gonna wear Am I my, wrong for I'm this? gonna wear my 90, 91, 92 <laughs> Bulls shirts from now on. Do you have one? All of them. See? You do. Yes. Okay. But you're just saying that I wear old clothes. That's what you're saying. No. I wear 30-year-old clothes. That's hey, what you're saying. Hold on. Have you seen me wear it? No. Okay. So what's the point then? If you're going to just you know, leave it in your closet or hang it up in, you know, in your monument, you know, whatever you have down there. Exactly. That's fine. Okay. That's, that's, that's cool. That's cool. But I do have a, a full disclosure, 2022 Aces Championship, and I'm wearing the heck out of it right now. I have an Aces Championship hat. You do? Okay. Do. But it's, you know. 2022 and you know the season yeah so i'm a little bit leery about that stuff you got a year to do it then you after do, that right. after that you it moves to classic there you go it's classic after that but why do i have this feeling that come a foot couple football seasons or hockey season down the road you're still going to be wearing that shirt 
And you what? paid 40 bucks for it. I did. I'm okay. getting my money's worth. Okay, so you're going to get your money's worth, and yeah. you can wear it all through the rest of 2023. Yeah. 2024, you don't need to wear it anymore. Until is that they, fair? Until they crown a new Stanley Cup champion, this shirt is still relevant. There you go. And that's why I'm wearing the Aces shirt, because... You know, it's in season, even though it's 2023. <laughs> <laughs> and why are we still playing this song from what, 1978? Right? I think that's right. 78. Yeah, I know. I'm within one year either side. I guarantee it. Thank you. <laughs> 77. There it is. I know. Dates. I'm big on dates. Ugh. No different than the grocery stores, man. You know, you get the cereal, the milk. Any of those products? Got to be a date snob. Got to be a date snob with a attire. There I am. Well, I am with food, <laughs> not shirts, okay? <laughs> Wait, you mean you won't eat food from like 2020? What are you talking about? I, you know my potato chip stories, right? Yes, I mean, if, that's, I know. if those potato chips are within a month, I'm not buying it. Are you kidding me? Forget about it. All right. He wonders why I've never invited him to the house. <laughs> I'm scared to invite him though, because he's gonna be looking at everything and like, "Well, no, what? Hey, Brad? <laughs> wait, you your chips soft. expire in four years? No." Shout out, mm. shout out to uh, to loyal listener. All right, Bernice, aka Nicole, for delivering. I said it from her. Uh, another, I got a gift again after you left on Friday, right? Uh, be, we got some Wagyu burgers delivered. All right, sealed. Straight from QVC, I believe. I don't know. So, are you guys down for some some Wagyu burgers? No. <laughs> now, why? I, I I haven't checked the date yet. Okay, but they were delivered in like you know dry ice freezer pack. It went in my freezer. Okay, so I was gonna save it for a special occasion. You know, invite you guys over and, and do that. Since I never get invitation to the D'Angelo compound, cause he's scared of what you're gonna do. <laughs> He'll send a steak back that's not cooked properly. Exactly. You know, I, I mean, I'm sc- I'm scared to take him back to my favorite you know bar. You know, because I, you just don't know what he's going to do. He is that picky. You are picky. Yeah, but when it's good, I let you know that it's good though too. Yeah, you stand up and dance in the yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> All right, let's go to our live on the spot reporter. First, let's go to Numchuck. He was said he was going to the parade. He's going to be there. Numchuck, give me your interpretation of the parade on Saturday night. Numchuck didn't go. He didn't go. Do you know why? I, I get this text, right? I'm changing my mind now. A couple hours ahead of time. I'm going, here we go. I mean, you're supposed to be representing the show. Margo won. It's okay. Wait, wait, no, no, no. You didn't know that he was going or not. And I we, did know he was and, going. And we don't even know if he decided to go to or show. not. I listened to the show. Hold on. Okay. I listened to the show. He right. was going. Why didn't you go? You were so there was up. a crap You're ton fine. of freaking people there. Yeah. Oh. Freaking oh, people. And didn't I say that on Friday? Beware. Yeah. Yes. Or was it the heat that scared you? No, it wasn't the heat. All right. It was like the. Let's go to our 40, real 000. on the spot reporter, Marco D'Angelo, for the parade update. I was there. Yes, it was hot. Uh, I did the whole thing, man. We made a night of it. We got a room on the strip. I scoped out where I was going to stand, and I found the only place that I know of on the Las Vegas Strip where I got up on a perch. I was able, I was elevated, and I was in the shade. But I was there at four thirty, holding <laughs> down my spot. I was seeing people lining up at noon, okay. and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So you got a view of the parade, but you weren't even on the. 
on the ground floor. You were up in some some box, like some VIP box. I was up on the top. Of- like you're at Churchill Downs. You're 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 up in, in the turf club. That sounds like you're in the turf club. Uh, I was outside uh, Planet Hollywood, close to uh, P.F. Oh, Chang's, geez. and I was in the so shade, no but- Toshiba Plaza for you. That. No, that I All was right. not going to do because that that was just insane. And once you got in there, how are you getting back out? And you, they you shut got, it I told you that's what I was afraid of. Why I wasn't going to go? And you said, "Oh, we, we got you covered." You didn't. You didn't get us covered. I watched everything. Going I watched by. every. I'll tell you, you this. Did. I watched every news channel. You did. Everything. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into that with a B cell. Uh, Bill Foley, uh, who will be uh, joining us, uh, this week. Bill Foley took the mic. Toshiba Plaza. Let's give you some sounds from the parade from the Vegas Golden Knights owner. Thank, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. This is a, a humbling experience. The parade today was. Unbelievable. The enthusiasm. I don't know how many people were out there, but it was certainly a lot more than a thousand or two thousand. It was a lot of people. And look at look at everybody here. It's so great, so great to see all of you. And to be part of this experience with all of you. It's been a long road. It was tough. October 1st was a a tough deal, wasn't it? And we did it. We kept on going, kept on going. And I had the privilege of riding on a bus, cup in six, cup in six. I am, <laughs> cup in six, cup in six, cup in six, cup in six. <laughs> we did it, we did it. All the naysayers. How can you have hockey in the desert? How can they ever win? What are they gonna do, play on the sand? They'll never, they'll never win in Las Vegas. It'll never be anything. And boy, you guys were patient. We have a great team that's been put together for all the way from the hockey outside, the business side, and our players. And they're all engaged. And I'm so proud to be part of this organization. And I'm proud to be a Las Vegan. I'm proud to be here. I want, to, I want to thank all of you for your dedication, your hard work, your support of this team through trials and tribulation. Cup and six, we did it. Now we're going to do it again. We're not up. We're not done. We're not done. We are not done. But I'm making no predictions. Talk to much. Talk to much. <laughs> hey, thanks everybody. Have a great night. Enjoy yourselves. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Bill Foley. All right, it's great to hear from uh, Bill Foley. Very excited. The cup in six chance. And again, yes, he nailed it. He predicted it. He said, you know, cup in six, playoffs in three, and that got shot down year number one. Boom. They, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, losing to Washington. So uh, cup and six, they got cup and six. I believe that was Marco we heard from a distance uh, as <laughs> part of the chance. I think I heard him. Yeah. <sighs> Bill at least I was owner. there. 
I was there. You were there. Bill Foley was a great owner. He is a great he owner. He is a great owner. He is a great owner. And again, you know, you, you like guys like that, that are invested. It was his vision along with the Maloofs to bring this. I was glad to see Gavin, Joe, and George uh, uh, on stage, especially Gavin, because he was kind of really the driving force to getting uh, Bill Foley to buy the team in the NHL. If it wasn't for the Maloofs, this probably doesn't happen. And they, they're minority owners. They kind of get shoved to the side a little bit here. And, you know, if it wasn't for the Maloofs owning the Sacramento Kings and the success that they had, who knows if it happens there, plus their original ties to Las Vegas. Bruce Cassidy, the head coach. We've talked about him basically to the year of the date that he signed his deal with the Golden Knights after being released by the Boston Bruins. He leads this team to the Stanley Cup. Here's Bruce Cassidy addressing the crowd Saturday night. I just want to um, obviously say thank you to, to Bill Foley and, and Kelly and George. It, it's, it's a privilege and an honor to coach the Vegas Golden Knights, and I'm just glad they put their faith in me to get the job done. So thanks, guys. And... Um, there we go. Back to back. 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 Anyway, uh, that's the plan. Players get their trophy and, and families get their time together with the trophy, but tonight this parade is for the fans of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's for you, so enjoy it, everybody. You've earned it. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's Bruce Cassidy, the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. What a fantastic job that he did. And again, he deserves a heck of a lot of credit. There's no question about it. In how satisfying is it for him? Nobody ever likes to be fired. You get fired the year before. The team you left ends up with the best record in hockey. So that's like a strike against you. And you take a team that was, you know, the same team as last year, pretty much, except the trade deadlines. The, that we is a whole nother story of what turns this team around. But he got this team dialed in to believe in his system and he took them all the way. And it, you know, for him to hoist that Stanley Cup trophy, you saw it the night of the game, but Saturday you could see, you know, you've had a few days for it to set in yeah. and he's, it's a proud moment for him in his career. And he's had a great career. And none of the three coaches that the Golden Knights have had from Gerard Gallant to Peter DeBoer to Bruce Cassidy are flamboyant, not really outspoken. Maybe Cassidy is maybe the most, you know, but again, pretty reserved. And I just, Love the attitude. And, and no one would be mad if he just pounded his chest a little bit and, you know, fist pumped and all that stuff because, I mean, he puts it on the players. He congratulates the players. Uh, fantastic job. And speaking of the front office and those trades, like you said, you know, bringing guys like Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, and the list kind of goes on and on with those guys, Jack Eichel, um, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, they went through the ringer last year. Actually, the last few years, you know, getting rid of Mark Andre Fleury, we know that there was some debate there. I'm not sure Bill Foley actually wanted that, but hey, they persevered through that. And then, of course, the very controversial signing with Robin Leonard. Was Robin Leonard was he was he there? Did, did, did we see a sighting there of him? Was no, Robin Leonard Center. Wow, are you trying to tell me that he wasn't even at the parade? He wasn't on the ice when they got it. He wasn't. Was he in the building? I don't. He could have been up. At, he I, have never, been, I, I, I haven't I, seen him I, once I, this year. Anything? Yeah. 
So probably not. And then so, I mean, come on, he's part of this team. He's getting a paycheck. He's getting a ring. He's getting a, a postseason cut, probably, right? Hey, I'm not sure how that works, but I've I've said it at the beginning, two months into the season, I don't think you'll ever see him in a Golden Knights uniform. No, yet. for sure. Hope you're right with that. All right, now we get to the players. The captain, Mark Stone, wearing the C on the sleeve, uh, a guy who is – people are always going to remember Derek England's speech – and he was a real quiet guy, really didn't want to do it on the night of the October 1, um, you know, talking about what happened on October 1. Everyone remembers what Derek England had to say that night. I think a lot of people are going to remember what Mark Stone said at this parade. Wow. Um, I knew this is a party city, but does it get any f- better than this, eh? Uh, first, love to thank Governor Lombardo for... You know, making sure this could happen, you know. Um, well, uh, this is an incredible, uh, incredible day for, for me and my teammates. Um, I don't know, I'm trying not to tear up here, sorry. Um, <laughs> To Bill Foley for bringing the team here, um, George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon for putting their trust in uh, this team. Um, you know, after last year, I think they could have gone a different way, but they believed in this team because they knew we could bring the bring the Stanley Cup here to Las Vegas. You know, to the coaching staff, to the players, uh, I think as a whole, we thank you guys for. You know, being the best fans in the world um, doesn't get any better than this, man. Uh, on Tuesday night when we were rolling, uh, I think it brought tears to the guys' eyes and on the bench. We knew we were going to win no matter what it took. You know, we're the ones up here uh, celebrating this Stanley Cup, but... The crowd, the building that we have every night, not just in the playoffs, but in the regular season. You know, we, we bring, you guys bring it. You bring it every night. Makes it, uh, makes it special for us. Really does. Um, man. <laughs> you guys are the best. You guys are the best. Um, go Knights, go. some guys who have who've been here since day one um i think a lot of us who have come here uh after that first year we were a little nervous to come to vegas we didn't know exactly what you know we were signing up for but it's an incredible community an incredible community you know god you guys have supported this team since day one uh, a lot of us you know, a lot of us on this team have, have been here uh, after that first year, but, you know, this team's this team, this city, the bond that they've built, we've been committed to winning. 
you know, and here we are, Stanley Cup champion. Here's the real question. How many beers did Stoney have at this point in time? Now we're figuring it's uh, about, what, 8.30 or so, 8.45? It was like 9.30. 9.30? No, I yeah. thought it was like still kind of light. No, when, it, when was, he had to, it was about... Yeah, okay. It was, about, it was closer to nine when they hit the Chiba Plaza. There you go. Okay, so there you go. So they gathered, probably met uh, uh, around six, loaded up the buses and everything. Parade started pretty much on time at seven, right? Yeah, so I mean, how many beers, along with champagne... Maybe some other mixed drinks. Can you consume in three and a half hours? I can tell you. I'm talking to two experts here. I can tell you one thing. <laughs> I was watching the the footage. Yeah. I saw Aiden Hill <laughs> just chug eight down the strip. Nothing's getting past them. Nothing got past oh, them. Oh, very nicely done. Very nice. All right. But the man who probably stole the show Saturday night, the shirtless one, the Swede. The blonde hair flowing, the F-bombs accompanying the man who's been here since day one, William Carlson, part of the Golden Misfits. You guys can hear me? Yeah, you hear me? So, um, this guy, this effing guy. Yeah, I know, I know. So, he was here day one. Yeah. And I know you have been here day one. You guys are so amazing. We played Arizona in the first game. And we beat the shit out of them. What did he say? And I had no points. No points. But that's okay. Because at year one, I was pretty great. But you guys were greater. And we've been up and down on this journey to the cup. Pass it to Marshy. Marshy, you got something to say? No, 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 no. Listen to me. We've been waiting for six long years for this guy to be MVP Jonathan Marshall There is William Carlson in the fullest extent of inebriation I, I guess I guess that's what you say drunk off as you know what uh, had to be basically pulled aside from uh, Gold Knight's uh, media relations staff. I believe that was uh, Kim over there. Say, that's it. Cut him. Cut him. Yeah. Uh, grabbing him by the hand. Yeah. Say, that's it. Got to go. Get him off. So, and Darren Millard is there going, hey, Marchie, we want Jonathan Marchie, we want you to submit. No, no, no. I'm not done yet. So Marchie gets, gets on the mic. And in the background, you just see Carrier grab Carlson over his shoulder. <laughs> right. and Fireman's carry? Fireman's carry all the way into the back. And it was just like, you're done. <laughs> 
Hammer time. Hammer time. New drinking game. <laughs> Play that soundbite, oh. and every time he drops an F-bomb, you got to do a shot. Then you, too, can be William Carlson. That's right. <laughs> Wait, we and, have to play that like a bunch of times, though. And be three. effing great. Because I was great, but you guys are greater. William Carlson. Now, every year when a champion... The championship team is crowned and they have the parade. There's always that one guy we're talking about. There usually is, right? Yeah. When you think about it, right? All right. Last year, who was it? NFL. Kansas City Chiefs. Kelsey? Tr- yeah. Travis Kelsey. Well, isn't it always Kelsey? No, no matter what. No if question, if, if right? the Chiefs win, it's Travis Kelsey. Right. Right. Uh, Warriors. The last time they won. Parade. Who was it? Draymond. It was, Draymond. Uh, wasn't it? I thought it was Poole. Uh, no, Poole well, was close, yeah, too. But but Draymond, no. Draymond just was yeah. going off on everybody and dropping F-bombs and all that stuff. And so Carlson is going to be in that lore now, in that vein. The difference is Draymond and Kelsey, that's them in real life, too. Right? You know, no championships. They're out there. This is not Carlson. Carlson's not. I don't know uh, about that, he's Marco. Wi- he's Wild Bill. I know that, yes. but not like this. Well, no, he's, he, no one's hammered when they're well, playing no, the but- game of hockey, which the only time fans <laughs> would see. But you get them on the road, or you get these guys, you know, during an All Star break or something, or you know, a couple days off. I mean, this is not his first drinking rodeo. I can tell you that. Oh, I definitely <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> but it was genuine. I mean. Every one of those players, and you go back to Mark Stone, the one thing that Mark Stone, when he's riding through, you know, thanking everybody, and he says, not just the, the fans during the playoffs. He went back to the regular season. Thank you very much. But, you know, he, it's a grind. It's not, you know, a lot of people jump on bandwagons for teams once they, you know, they get to the promised land. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, we're big fan. No, where were you on game, you know, 35, you know, sitting there? I, you know, that's the true fans. And he did point them out. Celebration galore Saturday night. Let's hear a couple more from the players. Nick Haig. Uh, I think uh, this is on the bus. This is on the bus. This is on the bus pri- pri- prior, prior, to, to that. prior to. All right. Nick Haig. Woo! Nick, how you feeling? No, no. Incredible. <laughs> Can I get one more time? Nick Haig. Nick, how you feeling? No, no. Incredible. The sun was still out at that point, Marco. It was 94 or 95, 95. when yeah. it, when the uh, parade started. Yeah. All right. Aiden Hill. This guy was an afterthought. This guy was goalie number five for the Golden Knights, and he came up big in playoff game after playoff game after playoff series, and then, of course, fantastic uh, in the final game as well, too. Aiden Hill in his moment to shine. What does it mean to bring this city its first Stanley Cup? It's pretty wild. I don't know. I, I, like, I, I don't know what to do with my hands right now. That's okay. That's okay. Keep them natural. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> You know, I often say the exact same thing. I don't know what to do with my hands right now. You know what that's from, right? <laughs> it's from uh, Talladega Nights. It's Ricky, Tal- Bo- yeah, Rick, Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Yeah. I, he's yeah. getting interviewed. He's yeah. just like, I don't know what to do with my hands right now. Here, here a goalie uh, do Talladega Nights. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. He, what, what do I do with my hands right now, Marco? I know what his hands are going to be doing in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> Money. That's what they're going to yeah, be he's doing. Getting, <laughs> he's getting paid. Pay that man. Me and his money. 
Uh, uh, all right, guys. Overall, um, what do you think of the parade? The parade was good. To be honest with you, I thought there'd be more shenanigans as far as the crowd. The crowd was actually better, <laughs> you know, better, uh, better behaved. Be- better behaved, yes, than than the knights. Uh, but the knights. They were enjoying it. And I haven't seen a team, and I've been, you know, again, don't uh, don't hate me for my Pittsburgh roots, but I've seen a lot of championship teams over my years, just like you've seen with Golden State and so forth. I haven't seen a team that generally likes each other in as close as this team is. Everything was a celebration together. Um, you saw it on the ice, you know, when the final horn went off on Tuesday night and all through that parade. It, you know, it's going to be a shame to see next year's team because there's going to be some pieces not on it. That's just the reality of winning a championship. Yep, that's the way it is in the world of sports, no question. Now, I think, uh, you know, the reason why the fans were so well-behaved because that's who the Golden Knights fans are. I mean, we don't see fights that you see in football games, mm-hmm. okay? You don't see that in, in this arena with this fan base. They're crazy. They're nuts. And people throughout the NHL realize the Golden Knights have a fantastic fan base. And in six years, they've become very, very educated. Uh, they, they party hard. They play well, but it's not nasty for the most part because every, you know, I mean, <clears throat> Buffalo, Washington, Chicago. I mean, I'm talking NFL team. I mean, you see this, but like I said, when they won, we didn't have any nonsense last Tuesday night here in the city, but just. Nights earlier, when the Nuggets won, I mean, you saw some morons shoot people. Shoot people. Ten people. You know, we've seen the turning over of cars, setting cars on fire, setting buildings on fire. It's stupidity. We saw that in L.A. I mean, in Detroit back in the day. Ridiculous. You didn't see that. So kudos to Golden Knights fans for uh, celebrating the right way. All right. So I hope you enjoyed uh, that sound. We come back. Brian Salmon's going to join us. He was covering the parade on the television side. So we'll get his uh, thoughts on that as we continue on with Vegas Golden Knights parade talk here in hour number one. Remember, hour two, we'll talk U.S. Open. We'll talk golf. uh, We'll talk uh, more. Um, Nubchuk's been dying to hear about TC's uh, travel stories from my last road trip. So uh, we'll get into that as well, too. Of course, we got to do that with Marco, you know, here as well, too. So, uh, yes, doing it for you on recapping a wild magnificent Monday right here on the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, everyone. This is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. Ah! I'm so effing great that I could dance to this song because I'm a dancing queen. Viva Sweden! I don't want to see you dance. William Carlson from Sweden. ABBA is not. Let's remember that. You know, we have had so many great jams on this show, as you well know, from the T.C. Martin Show Songfest, which will be coming up again at the end of August. All right. And just the nonstop music that we have, especially when our guests come on with great intros and great old school jams. I do not believe this is one of them that Brian Salmon would come on the show to. Or is it the Abba Queen, B-Sal? 
I don't know. I'm not a dancing queen. Maybe a dancing machine. Ooh, okay, yeah, Jay, babe. Huh? Yeah, this is a good song, though, still. This is a good song. See? Definitely a song for, for the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, brother? He is Brian Salmon, our very favorite sports director over at uh, News 3, and the only sports director at News 3, by the way, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's going on, brother? We uh, we know I saw you at the Aces oh. game last night. Great seeing you. Yeah. Uh, um, you, the voice was still intact. You're looking dapper, but you know we go to the parade the night before. You and Jesse Merrick, you know, uh, you know, doing that. So we want to we want to get your take on that. But I got to do say, B Salad, and don't take this wrong because I'm always, you know, giving you props for your attire. Uh, always looking uh, good, especially you know on game nights. And last night you looked pretty dapper as well too at the Michelob Ultra Arena. But what the heck were you wearing parade night? What I mean, is your major mouth? What yellow shirt was that? <laughs> did, wait, did you get that in a giveaway somewhere? Wow, that's that's funny. I've gotten some uh, I've gotten some mixed reviews on the yellow. T- it was a it was a yellow polo shirt, just a station yeah. uh, news three shirt. It was. But it's one literally that I've only worn that twice. That's like the second time I wore it. The only reason I wore it because yellow, gold. You know, Jesse had on black. So make sure I, there's I not a that, third time, okay? Make sure there's not. Make a third sure time. it's more gold <laughs> next time. Yeah, it was yellow. <laughs> yeah, it was yellow. You, if you would buy me a gold one and then have a new three logo put on there, I would gladly wear it. But uh, no, I, I, I took a shot. Took a shot, but my friends said I look like a banana. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mister Chiquita. Definitely weren't going to lose them in the crowd. That's sure. Yeah, we're losing you in the crowd at all, man. I didn't know. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, it was. Um, it was. You know what? I enjoyed wearing the shirt. It's bright, which is the reason why I haven't worn it a, a lot before. Like I've literally had it for two years, and I've worn it twice. That was the second time I've worn it. So. Look at you! You're but being you know. a team player, representing your employer, representing your station. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesse had a black one on, and his looked a lot better. <laughs> I could have worn the black one, but, you know, I didn't want, I wanted people to be able to tell Jesse and I apart. If I wear the black one, he wears the black one. They don't know who's who. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to touch that one, man. I'm not. But we will. this will go down to record as the first and probably only time that Jesse Merrick outdresses you. Uh, no, that's not, that's not true. That never happened. No, no but Jesse outdressed me at the, uh, at the Aces game. Yeah, last I love that suit he had on that brown suit. Yeah, but I mean, I have the girl, I have the girl dad shirt, which I know you appreciate a lot more than a suit. So yeah, uh, yeah, I was man, surprised. I had to wear my girl dad I, t-shirt. I was surprised that you guys got all like dressed up. I mean, I even kind of went a little bit more casual myself last night. I mean, it was a Sunday late afternoon game, early evening, and and you guys were all decked out like you're going to a parade. <laughs> well, <laughs> I had a t-shirt, I had a jacket and a t-shirt. I mean, anytime I'm on, I usually. You know, I wear a suit, and on Sundays, you know, that's our busy night, man. So, you know, we shot sports night down there and everything. So I was like, yeah. But Jesse was surprised that I showed up in a jacket with the girl dad shirt on. He had the full suit on. Why did you tell me you're going casual? I was like, you know, it's Father's Day, man. I got to represent no, my babies. Yeah, girl's dad, a very cool shirt, b Sal. Uh, kudos for that. No I love question. that T-shirt. Hey, Thank be- you, before, we, before, before we uh, talk a parade, um, 
I know I saw you talking to Darren Waller last night, and I came up and said hello myself, and that was really cool. And, you know, uh, I saw Darren when he was back in Connecticut because he was going through the OTAs with the Giants, so he came. He was up in Seattle uh, to watch, uh, you know, his wife, KP, Kelsey Plum. But I know oh, wow. you, you got a chance to to talk to him a little bit last night as well, too. I don't know if you did any on-camera stuff or not, but uh, uh, really cool to see him in the house. Uh, Mark Davis got a chance to to talk to him and embrace him as well, too. And, uh, 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 of course, Darren Waller will always, you know, I think be loved by uh, Aces fans and Raiders fans. Absolutely. Man, Darren Waller, and I, I talked about this with Jesse. I talked about it with Willie Ramirez. And I, I can't say it enough. Darren Waller is one of the coolest guys that I know. And to be a professional athlete and to be who he is and how, you know, how big of a name he is in the NFL – just in sports in general, and to be that humble and that cool, man, I mean, he's just, he's literally like a one of a kind. You know what I mean? Like, he's a one of a kind. I saw him, you know, signing autographs and taking pictures with people. And I mean, he's just a really, really cool dude. So, um, first, I, I spotted him during the national anthem. I just went up to say what's up to him. And I was like, you know what? I, sh- I should see if people would do an interview with me. And I ran it on Sports Night last night. So I did some on camera stuff. It was like a four minute interview that I ran last night. Yeah. I'm going to run some more of it tonight. But um, you just anytime talking to Darren is 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 a good time, man. And yes, you know, I asked him about being traded and everything else, and he said he had nothing but good things to say about the Raiders. And you know, he just didn't have it in him to be uh to be a guy who's mad and bitter. You know what I mean? And it just shows more just the character that he has, man. He's just a good dude. No, he is a class act, no question. I know that Raider fans are going to miss seeing him on the field, seeing number 83, you know, catch passes. But, uh, you know, wish him the best uh, in New York, you know, with the Giants. I think yeah. he's, he's got plenty of ball left You know they played each other this year? Yes. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I told him, I was like, man, you go, you better have like 200 yards. He's like, nah, you know, it's not like that. Yeah. And he starts laughing. I was like, yeah, don't. This is after the microphone and everything is off. I'm like, man, you don't got to talk like the microphone's off. Because if I'm you, then I'm trying to hang 200 on him. <laughs> 200 yards. Brian Salmon on the coverage of the parade Saturday night. I know that had to be a long day and long night for you. Uh, I remember when you covered the Aces uh, parade. Uh, was this one kind of similar? I mean, in the fact, I get it. There were more people there. I understand. But the proceedings and everything were, were kind of very, very similar. Talk about from just your aspect of, of covering from the TV side, the Aces Parade in September and the Golden Knights Parade Saturday night. It was very similar in the fact that we carried the parade live, the entire parade. So we were on live from 7 until until 10. So we did three straight hours of live. The, the biggest part, the biggest difference as far as television-wise is that this time – around it wasn't just jesse and myself because for the aces parade it was just me and jesse for two hours or three hours whatever it was talking and it it, honestly it was the broadcast was no fun Mm -hmm. the actual parade and and enjoying the festivities and everything that was a lot of fun but this time around we had i think probably eight people on air people talking about it. we had a helicopter out there so the station kind of learned from their mistakes and the last time that we did it was just jesse and i and we had a much better production. It was a lot of fun, man. But you know, as you said, it was a long day. And we were standing up, living in the same spot for, you know, two, three hours, man. My back was yelling at me. My back was really mad at me after 
cover that parade. All right, Brian Salmon joins us. Uh, TC and Marco, Marco D'Angelo in the house with us here on this Monday talking Vegas Golden Knights parade. This reminded me more of New Year's Eve on the strip with the coverage from the stations and different people at different vantage points. Uh, would you say that's more similar, Brian? That's a very accurate description, Marco. Yeah, that's very, very accurate. That's exactly what it was like. Uh, it was just like that in which they had news people out there. They had sports people out there. It wasn't just a sports thing. And, man, and trying to compare the two parades, I'm sure that's not what you're doing. And I know TC is not about that. It, you know, there was more people, but the, the energy was still great. And the fact that the Golden Knights had – more time to kind of put the parade on and get the route and everything else. Cause you know, all the, the ladies for the aces, they end up having to hop on a plane and go to Australia, I believe like the next morning or day or something like that. So the parade, man, it was fantastic. It'll be something I'll remember forever for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, great coverage. Uh, now did, you know, anytime you do live coverage like this in, that it's not the norm. Okay. This is this parade stuff. There's really no template that, okay, this is how we're going to do this. And you have a short amount of time to turn around. It's not like it's a game or it's not like a, a New Year's Eve event, which I'm sure that, you know, you have plenty of production meetings leading up to that each and every year. And there's a template, right? So with this, it just seems like. And again, I'm not, you know, trying to, to, to bash any specific channel or whatever, but yeah, as we not. know, as we know, there are snafus that happen. And there were snafus that happened with everybody. And Numchuck was back home watching every piece of coverage. Wouldn't you say, Numchuck, that most of the coverage was maybe less than stellar? 65%, if, if that. Yeah. So, Bisa, what would you attribute that to? Just the the not being able prepared for it, or just I mean, there's always there's audio issues, there's this issues, and you know people want to go to social media and they want to complain all that stuff. Did you did you get any of that on on your front? Well, one thing that I couldn't see anything, so I, I have no idea what the coverage actually looked like. What I could see was what Channel 13 did, who's a partner with the Golden Knights, and they did the script sports, and I think they they broadcast as well on the NHL network. So we could see their feed. And the biggest issue with doing a parade live like that and trying to be on location and be on the bus and be on the route is that the, the, the live units, what we use and actually to go live, they use cell phones, um, they use cell phone towers in order to, to transmit everything. So, the, the the signals kept going out. So I know that on the bus, Channel 13 had a camera. We had a camera on the bus, but the signal kept going out on the bus. So, you know, a lot of people weren't able to get that vantage point. Uh, I know that for us at the um, at the actual uh, T-Mobile Arena and outside of Toshiba Plaza, we didn't lose our signal. Everything was good there. So... I don't know, man. As far as the, the, the planning and everything like that, stations can plan well in advance. They they should maybe game one or two. I mean, you should start then. Hey, if they end up having a parade, what are we going to do? Who's going to work? You know, all that kind of stuff. But then the big thing, too, this is all logistical stuff, but engineers getting down there and seeing if they can hardwire this and plug in here and do all that kind of stuff, that's, that's a big part of uh, trying to plan those trades as well to see whether or not you can get reception. Reception is a very big thing, and 
with that amount of people, the reception was pretty bad for yeah. a lot of the yeah. stages. And speaking of which, the you mentioned Aiden Hill and the interviews, you know, before on the bus, we saw Channel Thirteen actually go to a commercial in the middle of Aiden Hill's interview, and it's like, what the heck? I mean, people are losing their mind with that. And of course, I mean, they went that that went viral with all that stuff. But again, you think there's got to be some, you know, direction, you know, but from truck to to talent or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get these type of snafus, and again, it's it, it's live television, but uh, again, oh, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. It's, t- <laughs> it, it, it's tough. You know, it's tough. So I, I really don't like to to rip on other people in the media and that sort of thing. But it just, you, you, I just like you said, it, you gotta you gotta prepare for these things and do the you best do. that you can and have your talent prepared. And, and a lot of times, you get talent who are not sports people, and B. Sal will attest to that. You get the news people on here that want to be involved because it's a big event, and they're yeah, talking exactly. up, they're talking yeah. out of the side of their mouth. They don't know nothing about this product. They haven't been to a game, so I don't know. I mean, maybe Rebecca <laughs> should have been on there. Rebecca shows up at enough games. We sh- she she got camera time. You tell her I said that. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely let her know. But no, you you couldn't be any more correct. I mean, there's there's always a lot of uh, a lot of chefs in the kitchen when it comes to that, and you know it generally hurts the product. I, I think our product. I don't know. I I went back at home because I DVR'd it and watched a little bit of it. I thought it looked it looked okay. Um, the biggest thing that we had that no one had in in our market is we have the the, the chopper. So we're able to show like the view from up high. And to me, that's always one of my favorite viewpoints or vantage points, just to see things from far away, to see just how big things are. Like how big the crowd is, how big the stadium is, how big the you know the fans are in T Mobile, that kind of stuff. So we had that. I thought it looked pretty good. The MVP, let's not forget, the guy running the beep. <laughs> <laughs> for the yeah. live TV, you had to use the oh, man. <laughs> seven second delay. Peace out. We oh. appreciate you, brother, as always, man. All right, what do you got coming up here? Real quick promo. Uh, tonight, man, I'm going to run some more of that Darren Waller interview. Good. You can't get enough of, of the rack wall, man, so that'll be nice. And I'm trying to relax a little bit as we uh, get prepared for like the Aces season and the Raiders and everything else, man. I'm glad the Golden Knights are done yeah. and we can actually take days off. There you go, brother. <laughs> All right, we'll let you get back oh. and uh, go ahead and wash that uh, that yellow shirt and we'll send you out with the Banana Boat song. There you go. <laughs> banana Boat song. Yeah, I'll get you one of those, man. I'll sign it and get you one. Oh, please do, man. I'm sure we can auction that off here. I mean... 45 cents right now. There you go. So coming down. Hey, we're at 45. Uh, here, 50. 55 cents. 60, 60. Sold to Marco D'Angelo for her. Three bits. Everybody's a comedian. Everybody's a comedian. Mad love for you, brother. You know that. All right? My God. My God. All Appreciate right. you. All right, brother. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Check, check, All right, guys. Check the cell out tonight. News 3. More of the Darren Waller interview as well. All right. Hour number two on the other side. Scott Savloff. We talk U.S. Open. TC's Travels. And Marco D'Angelo, who knows what, with more dated t-shirts. Daylight come and be one more. Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che Go! Go! il magnifico! Il magnifico! Il magnifico rettore! Live! Boom! Boom! Shake, shake! Zero! In the entertainment...
capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Les Georges, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo, Pifio. Messi la tiene, Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está, Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. right here on this Monday reliving a craziness over the weekend with the Vegas Golden Knights Championship Parade. Great stuff there you heard from Bill Foley, Bruce Cassidy, Mark Stone, William Carlson, Nick Haig, Brian Salmon joined us from News 3. All that is up on the website. We'll be a little bit later on, so check it all out at tcmartinshow.com and uh, remember, check out the website for all of your classic interviews. The current interviews are Interviewed from last Wednesday with Mattress Mac is up there as well, too. Yes, good old Mattress Mac in Houston, sleeping on his rooftop at uh, Gallery Furniture there in Houston. Going to sell 100,000, no, 10,000 mattresses. I'm not coming down until I sell 10,000 mattresses. Do we have an update on that yet? I don't have the, the number. I know that when he was on the show, he said it was right around 700. So I, I didn't know if you've talked to him and seen I, I haven't a number. Then. No, not, not since. So... Yeah, he's going to be up there for at least 100 days. You know, we know that. That's our guy, though, Mattress Mac. At least we know he's sleeping on a good bed. Though. Yeah, he is. <laughs> a Tampa-Pedrick mattress. Uh, you can't beat a good mattress, man. Gotta love a good mattress. Uh-oh. Is this golf music? Kind of sounds like the Olympic music. So we go from the hysteria to the Golden Knights, the Aces, to... Do I got to get my Jim Nance voice on now? You have to be quiet when you talk like this. Because we talk about the U.S. Open, the L.A. Country Club, and our man. Our man on the scene. There's no question. Our man from Southern California, the one and only Scott Savloff, joins us as we talk golf. Not just the U.S. Open, but everything surrounding that as well, too. Uh, and uh, Scott uh, is fantastic, as we know. He is one of the producers of the Ryder Cup for the PGA and one of the last made-for-TV golf producers that are still around. He is the last man standing. And check out his podcast. It's Scott Savloff on uh, on Instagram and also on YouTube as well, too. All right. How is that, my friend? The last man standing when it comes to real golf television producers. It makes me feel like a dinosaur, which I am. I'm okay with that. <laughs> There you go. How are you, TC? We're good. Last time we talked with you last week, we didn't have enough time because, uh, you know, you were telling us big seven-footer stories with Big Bill Cartwright, uh, your Walgreens uh, annual tournament that you guys are involved with there that uh, got partially, I guess, rained out. There was no salsa dancing, but, uh, you know, I know there were some stories we, there. So we, we appreciate we, that. By the way, we did not get rained out. Bill got rained out. That's right. That's right. That's the only difference. Everybody else played, or some teams sat out. He was just, uh, he, 
being the professor, just sitting by the fire, reflecting on things. Now, how does that go? I mean, did he have like a foursome where people signed up to play with him? Because if that's the case, then we got we got some issues. Well, it was a consensus. It was rain. Look, you're not you're not expecting at this time of year to be high fifties, low sixties, and rain when two days earlier it's eighty five and sunny. Right? It just catches you off guard. So it felt much colder than it really was. To to Bill's credit, you know, his team probably said, you know. We're not going to win. Why don't we shut it down after a little bit? And that's what they did. And, and several groups did. It's a real charity fundraiser, unlike, you know, where people take the competition so seriously. This is a real fun event. Uh, just as important was the night before, cocktails. And, you know, my, my boys who uh, has a restaurant there called, uh, uh, what's it, Mo Money or uh, – uh, Chef Bo McMillan, who, who has a great restaurant there in, uh, in Las Vegas. And, uh, so Chef Bo, uh, based in Scottsdale came out there, displayed some of his, his culinary prowess. And it was a lot of fun. So that really was the event. And so I just give Billy such a hard time anyway. But, uh, people, you know, we're, we're there just to have a nice time. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys uh, did. No, no question. That's, uh, that's, uh, yeah. The and, main and, thing and, I, and I got to got to tell you, unlike all this, uh, I, I've read a lot of the negatives that these guys were complaining about LA country club. Okay. I was there Saturday. I mean, 80 degrees or 75 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. And you're walking around going, this is really good. And you're watching guys who are really hitting the ball well, enjoying themselves. Guys like Brooks Kepka, who were not hitting the ball well, it's all the courses fall. It's the USGA. It's the, the courses fall. Stop whining, suck it up, and hit a freaking shot. <laughs> Wyndham you know? Clark, man. Let's talk about Wyndham Clark. I mean, he was what, what, 240th or something like that? I mean, coming into this thing, or maybe even lower than that. He wins the U.S. Open, 10 under par, uh, one shot better than your boy, Roy McElroy, nine under than yep. Scotty Scheffler, who you really is your boy at seven under. But talk a little bit about Wyndham Clark and representing USA. Well, let me tell you that. Wyndham Clark first broke on the scene. I'm thinking, is that a law firm associated with the tour? Wyndham yeah. Clark. Right. Right. I mean, and then all of a sudden you hear his story come, you know, really long hair. People don't realize that that dude can just crush a ball, right? I mean, he, he was out driving uh, the field by a lot when he, when, when it came down to hitting clutch shots, he gets into the U S open. Nope. There's no way. I mean, you're in betting capital of the world. I'd love to hear somebody, oh, yeah, I, I had money down on Wyndham Clark. Come on. No way. No shot. This guy is a good ball striker, and his short game proved to be exceptionally sound on a golf course where you need to be creative. Because as you saw Rory go toe-to-toe with him, didn't make a mistake until he got to the 14th hole, hits a wedge, into one of the grassy protectors of those bunkers 
And when that ball comes in from high trajectory, it's gone. You can't find it. And, and for Rory, that, that's the difference between Rory winning the tournament or tying and, and Wyndham Clark, you know, staying the course. He had a couple of uh, blemishes on, on his card, just a couple of them, but he, he rallied. And, and I got to tell you, I mean, Rory didn't have an 18th hole crowd crawling up his butt, but, you know, I love the setup the way the USGA had it, but I got to tell you, if I'm Wyndham Clark, I'm focused, but all of a sudden there's, you know, 3,000 people with their cameras out, you know, their phones out trying to get footage so they can put their selfies out there and say, I was there. I mean, they were like, what, 40 yards from the guy putting out? I mean, uh, that that freaked me out a little bit. If If I was going to complain about anything, that was it. Because it makes it deceptively feel like there's a ton of people there, and and there wasn't as many people on this golf course because you can't put a lot of people on this golf course. Right, it's not built for it. Right, right. Get- and and that's where people, you know, you want to do that right down here by me. The only place probably in Southern California that can host a major and fifty thousand people a day is Torrey Pines. Otherwise. You've got nothing in Southern California that can hold that kind of crowd. You mentioned Roy McIlroy. Uh, he comes up short, one stroke short for this U.S. Open title. No major titles for him in the last nine years. Obviously, that has got to kind of be a bugaboo for him. To talk a little yeah. bit, why the nine-year drought, in your opinion? You know, going into, I'd say, the last two tournaments, if you said, you know, greens and regulation, or at least his approach shots, getting in close enough to make birdie putts. And nothing was more dramatic than yesterday. I mean, other than 14, that guy did not miss a green. But what he left himself was 25, 30, 40 footers. And the difference between Rory, you know, I was texting uh, one of his close friends, and we're going back and forth. And he said, well, he's going to win the the British Open. I'm like, great, if he gets himself closer, because I don't think he made anything in the last 30 holes over seven feet from a putt. And you cannot win. It's like if you're pitching in baseball and you're doing nothing but giving up home runs, inevitably you're going to lose. Because you say, well, you know, gave up two hits. Well, they're both home runs. You lose two nothing. Or two one. In Rory's case here, you've got to you've got to get hot. You got to make a bomb. You, you know, a thirty five footer, and that's really the difference for Rory. Because if you watch him, he hits shots no one else can. You know, the, um, um, what was that seventeen? He had like one ninety five clear over these trees to drop the ball high onto a green, and he did it. I mean. If he was playing golf horse, no one's going to beat him in that. No one. You know, he's got the skills. He just, maybe it's his clutch putting. He just, when he won majors, there was nothing he didn't miss. He just doesn't make where Tiger and Jack made bombs that you could think about it. Those guys would pull off 35, 40 footers for bombs out of nowhere and they just would demoralize. Their opponents step on their throat. 
Rory misses him. Exciting, U- exciting U.S. Open uh, again. You got a long shot at wins, and and McElroy comes, you know, one shot, uh, you know, short. But the big story, as we know, Scott, over the last couple weeks, and I know it was a big attention getter there at the L.A. Country Club as well, is uh, the June 6th where the PGA Tour announced that it joined with the Saudi Arabia National Wealth Fund and the European Tour to put, you know, commercial businesses under one roof. And, of course, we're talking about the merger between the PGA and and Liv. Um, Let's start with this. Again, for those that don't follow golf that closely, uh, we know that they may not fully understand it, but this is a big Big story. It's a big, big deal. What is the proper framework or the exclamation, basically, the explanation, I should say, uh, on what is happening here? PGA Tour for the last year has pulled and prodded its players. They hired people to work on specifically not letting their best players defect to the live tour. PGA Tour decided they were not going to have the Saudis title sponsor events uh, on their schedule or mandate. You know, even with the most uh, monstrous purses, they were not going to have the PGA Tour is not going to yield on their schedule. And hence, the Live Tour was created because they had the money. They have more money than anybody else, and they're going to do whatever they wanted to do. So they decided to take it against the PGA Tour. And the Tour decided, we're going to combat that and keep all our guys. And, and a lot of guys defected because it's hard to tell somebody who's 34 years old, hasn't won a tournament in a while, and they're offering you $100 million cash, uh, you got to take the cash. Because all they're doing is playing golf. They're not necessarily moralizing it's the Saudis. And who's the money behind this? Uh, PJ Tour, they're in business with the Chinese government. Last time I checked, that's a problem, too. No one talks about that one. Yeah. Right? Good point. But, but they're, they're against the Saudis. Okay. Let's go there. So then, for a year, they're fighting. What the commissioner of the PJ Tour did was, in my mind, I have a lot of friends uh, that were involved with 9-11, lost some good friends that I grew up with. So now it's a little personal for me. He used that as a, like a, as a cloth to say to people, this is the group that was involved with nine 11 funding or people stayed in their homes. And this is the Saudis don't defect, stay with the PGA tour against these dastardly people. Right. He did that a year from Jan- uh, June 6th. One year later, they, quietly announced this is the greatest thing, the best thing for golf. We're going to find all the money that we've lost over the last year. And now we're going to have the biggest, best purses for our players and our players are going to love it. And as it's starting to turn out, now they're saying that that $2 billion investment from the Saudis is really looking like 10 billion because they're going to do a reparation payment to guys like Rory and Scotty Scheffler, who you just mentioned earlier. And all these guys that stayed, uh, you know, uh, Morikawa, all these guys that stayed with the PGA Tour, they're just going to showcase emails and their agents are going to fight the battle to say to the PGA Tour, okay, 
I'm Rory, you owe me $500 million. And they're going to get the money from the Saudis. So the Saudis effectively are buying the PGA Tour. Anybody tells you otherwise, why would they be giving $500 million reparation payment to Rory McIlroy? Or why are they paying John Rahm $500 million? Tiger's going to come back and say, oh, don't forget about me. They offered me $800 million. So where is there a wrong? That's wrong. Because you can tell me, oh, you know, forgive and forget. I'd like to see how about the PGA Tour go out there and say to the Saudis, hey, there's question about what you did and what you didn't do, but let's have another $10 billion and offer it to all the families of 9-11. How about that to get all these people off our back? And that's the thing here, the moral issues that we're not right. really hearing much about here for the funding of the Live Tour. And you know, the biggest point of discretion here is, you know, for the PGA, I mean, again, now they're joining in with this. And I want to know, what is the PGA's stance on that right now? And we know that Jay Monahan, you know, talked a couple of weeks ago at the Canadian Open and really was kind of vague and really didn't say a whole lot, didn't have a lot of answers here. But seriously, what is their stance now when they were all anti where this money was coming from? What's their stance now? Well, his position, because he's on a medical leave, okay? So he's not even there. He's on a medical leave, and we don't even know if he's coming back. Uh, you got Jack Nicholas. I won't even go there. Great, greatest player of all time, greatest player of my life. My point in saying Jack, Jack, you know, toes whatever the company line is. If, if Jay Monahan said, let's just support the Saudis, that's what Jack's going to do. I'm not saying that he's, he's not the greatest player. How about Tom Watson today? He unloads on the commissioner. He right. writes a letter and lets everybody know how displeased he was. Tom Watson had a lot of friends who died in 9-11 as well. So it's a real controversy. It's a hot button, and it polarizes people. So when you say, well, it's in the best interest of golf, golf's going to be so hot and topical because now they have all this money. Uh, you know, at, at what expense does the PGA Tour, the European Tour, they're owned by the, by the Saudis? For a few years, until the Saudis get bored, right? Then, then what happens? Right. And so now, it, you know, I get it. There's giant purses, and if, you, if you're a tour player or your kid's going to be a tour player, you're ecstatic. Your kid's going to make a boatload of cash playing golf. I love that. At what expense, though, are you telling someone? Because someone asked me, well, what, what about, you know, uh, Bryson DeChambeau? Bryson DeChambeau says, goes out publicly and says, you know, it's been 20 years. These people are nice. Can't we just forgive and forget? And my comment to him would be, Bryson, do you love your dad? And he'd go, of course. Okay, suppose your dad died in 9-11, pal. You're going to love the same people who potentially were involved in your father's murder? Because if you're going to forgive and forget so fast, I don't think those 9-11 families are going to forgive and forget so fast. And the reason I'm harping on it is they drape the tour draped themselves in this nonsense. They brought it upon themselves. If they stayed away from the 9-11 time, you know, they wanted to go for the heartstrings and try to get people to really go emotionally against live. And now, now they want lives money to 
bail out the European Tour, which is was bankrupt. And the PGA Tour is hurting for cash. So now all of a sudden the Saudis look so good and they're so honorable. And I'm not saying they're not, but don't drape yourself in the 9-11 flag. Right. That's a bunch of crap. You, you mentioned Tom Watson. He wrote a letter to President Jay Monahan of the PGA, and he wanted answers because, like we said, two weeks ago, you know, when he, addressed, he didn't really address anything, it's very vague, like you said, in his explanation. And he used the term, a well, this is a framework agreement. So, yep. again, and no one really knows what that is. I mean, it, I think it's kind of hard for a lot of people to believe that the PGA was really uh, bleeding cash here. I mean, is that really the truth? I mean, what is the framework agreement? They were bleeding cash, you know, because what, what they had to do is tell these guys who uh, were, you know, John Rahm, it, they literally had to have a multitude of people go over to John Rahm, who was offered $500 million. That, now, that ain't chump change. Okay? You know, I know that Ronaldo makes that a year. Who's paying that? Saudis. Right? Yeah. So... Who else is going to get $500 million for a three-year contract, 150 or $160 million a year? Come on. So the only one that's going to compete, the PGA Tour, has got a coffer. Somehow they're going to their sponsors. They're tapped out trying to compete, trying to get those purses from $6 million to $20 million. So if you're going to have $20 million a purse every week, uh, you know, because if you're the TV groups, when during Live Tour, you know, the height of all this, you're watching a handful of names every week, same guys every week, because a lot of the names were playing Live. So that's what the tour is saying. Oh, oh we're getting all the guys back together, just like a major. All these guys are going to play. And the person is going to be $20 million. So that's how they bailed them out. They needed someone to write that kind of a check. Scott, does the name change at all here? Is 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 the PGA no more? Is it still the PGA? Is it PGA slash Live? What's this framework going to be like? And you know, from a marketing standpoint, how are people going to refer to this now moving forward? PGA Tour, but the guy that was the chairman of Live is on the board of directors of this new entity. Okay. So the guy that everybody from the PGA Tour despised and thought he was evil is now embraced. He's intelligent. He's this warm and gracious and cuddly and snuggly guy, according to what you read now. Everybody wants to have this guy over for for dinner and then spoon with him watching TV afterwards. (laughs) But it's like, okay, that guy's on the board of directors of the PGA Tour. So the PGA Tour is going to be intact. Jay Monahan, quote unquote, will be the CEO. This guy's the chairman. That's what it is. They, there's, there's some rough sketch that to get back and reinstated in the PGA Tour, guys like Mickelson, uh, Brooks Kepka, um, uh, Dustin Johnson, guys who got big money, they're going to have to pay some kind of a fee out of that. Because, again, their contracts were three-year deals with Liv. They only played one year. So in order to get the other two years, they're going to have to pay some kind of fee to the PGA Tour. And if I'm a betting guy, those guys are going to get their money anyway, one way or another. They'll pay a fee to the PGA Tour to only get it back somehow because Liv's going to pay them. 
or whatever Liv was is going to pay them some kind of fee. But Dustin Johnson's going to get his money. And Mickelson, I don't know, but, you know, quote-unquote, he doesn't gamble anymore. You guys tell me if you see him in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. But, but, but that dude, you know, uh, he, he, all these big money men, you know, love PJ Tour. It's fascinating to see what that ramification is going to be because if you're Morikawa, Rom, Rory, those kind of guys that's, that stayed the line, kept the line for, you know, in the ground for you, they got to get their money out of live. And then the other, and they're mandating, well, you guys already quit. Now to come back, you got to pay us a fee. So that's really the rub here is what's that going to be? What's that going to look like? But I don't think at the end of the day, any of these guys are going to lose one dollar. Yeah, yeah. Not one dollar. And, and, you know, uh, here's, here's my last point on it. If you're a guy you're looking at, you're a grinder out there playing. I can't relate to these guys, right? It just makes these guys even more unrelatable to the common man. That's why a Wyndham Clark comes out of nowhere, cites that his mom passed away and she's his motivation. That's a story. That's something that's refreshing that you're not listening to rich guys bitching about not being richer. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, final thing here, the PGA Championship up in Rochester a few weeks ago, you know, live golfers were getting booed when they would come to the tee. And it's like, whoa, lo and behold here, there's some passion in golf. I mean, you know, I know that the old school golf gods didn't really like this. Is this really bad for the sport or is it good for the sport? And then now you have this little kind of rivalry thing going or just in general, because as we know, I mean, golf is like the last sport standing where you've never really had you know, this type of emotion. It was always, you know, kind of curtailed by, you know, the the golf human beings up there saying, no, we, we can't have this. Uh, quick thoughts on that. Well, first, I, I would say to you, by nature, just to, you want to charge something, get all the ladies all pissed off. What does golf stand for? Gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. <laughs> that's what it was created. That's That's how they came up with the term golf. And that's true, too, right? Correct. That's true. Okay. So that, that's for starters. Then you throw into this, they're booing. Oh, you're going to have team play. Give me a break. Who gives a rat's butt about team playing golf? I think it's great that they're guys that you don't like. Uh, I, I think that this whole thing will meld away fast. They'll, they'll work diligently to put the live element of it behind them and focus on all these guys under the umbrella of the PGA Tour, playing for the biggest purses and try to mirror themselves like NASCAR, like they've done before. I think they're going to work feverishly to do that over the next four months because they have a PR nightmare on their hands, and they've got to fix it. Uh, do do I think that, that Rory's ever going to patch things up with Sergio and things like that? I think he should. I don't think Sergio... Is, is necessarily Rory's evil, I, but I don't know what their personal conversations were. But, you know, I don't think pe- people are going to care about Brooks Kepka because I don't think Brooks Kepka gives a rat's butt about anybody other than Brooks. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great to have a villain in golf like that. A guy who shows up only at majors, doesn't give a crap about anything else. I think it's great for the game because now you're now you're like, you know, good versus bad, but it's not 
we're, you know, real lines in the sand where people are talking about 9-11 and things that have a real emotional factor, that should, that, that does not help that sport at all by having 9-11 still brought into this picture. Yep. Great point. He is Scott yeah. Savloff. Go check out his podcast, The Path Here. Great stuff there. And again, one of the uh, producers of the Ryder Cup for the PGA. My friend, appreciate it as always. And uh, I guess uh, what we'll look forward next to the Open Championship. I still want to say the yeah. British Open. I mean, since everything's all kind of twisted and turned around, I'm still, you know, the PGA Tour before the U.S. Open. I'm, uh, I, I'm not into that. Come on, let's get golf back to where, where it should be, I guess. But, you know, again, I, I like some changes, too. I like some passion. I like all that kind of stuff. Let's, you know, let's let's see something, I guess, uh, different. But, man, I, yeah, this is a, a crazy story with the PGA and Live, and I think we all kind of knew it was probably coming, you know, when the Live was founded a couple of years ago. We kind of knew this day was probably going to come to a head, and, and here we are at right now. It's not going away, and I'm excited. Let's see what the next couple of weeks holds uh, for the Open. And uh, we'll, we'll, I, I guarantee everyone's going to be picking Rory. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. The do theory, right? Exactly. There you go. All right, brother. Appreciate the time. As always, be good. Enjoy sunny SoCal, baby, down there in San Diego. TC, thanks so much. Good talking to you, pal. You got it, brother. It's Scott Savloff, one of the best, no question about it. True. I mean, one of the, the last producers uh, uh, for television uh, out there, one of the real producers, uh, produces uh, the Ryder Cup for the PGA and uh, got a great podcast, The Path, here. And you can follow him on Instagram and uh, other social media platforms as well. My man, Scott Savloff. Uh, and also, uh, in, in, very involved in a lot of these other charity tournaments like we, uh, we talked about, but go, uh, go check him out, uh, over on YouTube and, uh, of course at Scott Savloff on Instagram. When we come back, who knows where we're going? That's all I got to say. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. This doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring chit chat. It's the Dr. TC Martin. <laughs> Don't forget, join us uh, our Friday home at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook. Always a party. And Marco D'Angelo, he's like kind of taken after me now. He's not going to be there. He's going on vacation, even though I haven't had a vacation yet. Chevy I've been at work. Your life's a vacation. Come on, stop. Listen, Chevy Chase. <laughs> this is work. You know, when you go on vacation and frolicking around at racetracks or concerts at Heinz Field or whatever... You're not working, all right? Let's get. Let's make that perfectly clear. Yeah, I'm working hard to keep my home life <laughs> happy. <laughs> but you work for like three hours out of that whole trip. Really? Is that how you view that? Is that how you view it? See, see, now you're, you're getting you're getting me going here because you're coming across like the average ham and egg, or they thinks, oh, you're talking the radio, for, you know, and that that's no, not a I'm, job. But, but I'm saying, okay, so you do you do have to prep? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. So. And then you got to get pregame. Yeah. So there's two hours. My, my prep, so you know, is about about two hours per game. But so hours. there's three hours. Yeah. Then yeah. And then you got the game. Do interviews, that kind of thing. Yeah. Prepping, and then the games, another. It's a three hour ordeal. Okay. Yeah. So what? Seven hours at the most for uh, your yeah. trip. Yeah. So how many that's, games? That's per game. Okay, hold on. When you were on the road last week, yeah. How many games did you do? What is? It? I did two at that time. Okay, so 14 hours. What's your point? 
Just having, What's your point? Just having fun with you. It's not fun. Oh, it is. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Oh, uh, Marco will be gone Friday. Yes. All right. So Jay Schrader's going to be stepping in. Oh, God. So, so what do you, are we going to get Jay, you know, bashing Marco like he's bashing me while I'm away? I hope not. I hope he, I hope he bashes you even more. <laughs> uh, I think I think we're kind of even because he was bashing Marco quite a bit for, you know, the 0 for 4 in the, the football season, right? Just don't. Just don't screw up. Uh, yeah, I want to be his side, Clay. I want to be his plus one for the <laughs> Raider Steelers. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got some uh, little blackmail stuff there. There you go. All right. No, that's good. Did you ask him about that? Yeah. On air, we got, I, I kind of backed him into it. Remember I told yeah. you about the – that was the same Friday that they announced three more sets of uh, Formula One tickets. So I, right. I asked him – to guess the price, which he, he didn't know. He was way off on yeah. the price. It was a two-part question. And I said, guess the price, and will you be taking me to the Formula <laughs> One? And he answered no. And I said, that's okay. I'll, I'll live with you taking me to the Steeler Raider game. So you invited yourself to go to the Steeler Raider game. Yeah, basically. I, I'm learning from, hey, I'm learning from the master here <laughs> of how to, you know, get the ins and outs and, uh. you know, Greatest show you've ever done here, right? The show. I, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. See, we're I learn all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, see, whenever I told him I lost my wallet on Friday, he couldn't relate because he doesn't, he doesn't have, have a wallet. <laughs> you know, I, I told you, I have been there. We've, I, I think we haven't we all been there with losing a wallet? Yeah. Oh, man. You know, my, you'll get a kick out of this, Numbchuck. You know, again, boom, just struck a chord. Do you know the last time I lost my wallet? I remember it specifically. Oh, God. What, what, what was going on? You were probably at a restaurant. No, it wasn't a restaurant. He has no need for a wallet at a restaurant. I know. Uh, and, I, and I, since this day, this is going back to 19, probably 95. So you probably know where I'm going with this You one. were somewhere in Green Bay. No, I wasn't. I was right here. Okay? You were right here. I was here. And since that day, I make sure that I... Really keep an eye on my wallet, my phone, my keys. I always do the double check, right? Because I lost my wallet at the McCarran Airport picking up Cactus Jack. <laughs> I was waiting for Cactus Jack to come off a plane uh, from Japan, I believe, at that time. And there were a couple different stories. And I had a, a pair of sweats on. And I was sitting there waiting for him. And I lost. It, it fell out. They're waiting for him because his flight was like two hours late. Of course it is. And he was like waiting, going back and forth, and you know, we do with your car, this and that. And then I didn't realize it until got back, took him to the hotel. My wallet is gone, and I was freaking out, man. So I know, I know what Marco was going through. It's not. Fun. And I, and you know me, I blame Cactus. Of course you did. I blamed him. <laughs> I lost my wallet because of you, not because of my like flippity flop pockets or whatever. Speaking of which, I got a pocket story for you <laughs> on this last trip, too. Can we get pocket and movie story? Oh, some of my travel story? It's travel story time, do, isn't it? So, yeah, do we, do we need, do we need like a, an, an open? Should we get like TC's travel? You know, no, I think we, we, I think we need that. No. It's a regular segment. No. Can we get that sponsored? <laughs> who, who would be a good sponsor for that, Marco? Who do you fly with all the time? Uh, oh. It depends. Uh, Delta, if I'm going like kind of cross country, Southwest, I'm keeping it kind of close because again, with those two airlines, I got frequent file, flyer miles. So I don't want to, you know, a United in America. I don't want to, you know, right? That's a smart way to do it. Oh, absolutely. Rack up those free miles. 
All right. So let's see. Let's start with, okay, we're talking about my trip to Connecticut. Yep. Um, we had a plane delay. Let me, have you guys ever experienced this before? All right. So had to take a weird route back from Connecticut to Vegas, Connecticut to Atlanta in Atlanta to Vegas. I wasn't happy with that. Now going out was beautiful. It was Vegas to Minneapolis to Connecticut. Beautiful. But for some reason, I was booked on this Atlanta flight and adds another three, four hours. Well, it was even more than that because when I get to Atlanta, uh, get there in time, you know, cause I don't like long layovers, just enough maybe to eat at the airport, right? You know, oh, of course. hour and a half is, is, is my window for that and got it. So wolf down my meal, uh, at the Atlanta airport and get over to the gate and think I'm ready to board, right? And I wheel and deal and get my like, Delta, uh, comfort plus because, you know, give them a sob story every time and say, Hey, you know, you got any open seats, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it works about 90% of the time. So get my Delta comfort, get ready and gets on the mic. Uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm uh, getting ready to board flight Delta 3505 to Las Vegas. Don't bother. Your aircraft is not arrived. <laughs> we do not know where the aircraft is. Never heard that one before. When we locate the aircraft, we will let you know. Thank you. How do you misplace an aircraft? <laughs> I have been on some weird flight delays. I've been on light bulb repair, like in the cockpit. Like, you know, oh, the light bulb. It's a mechanical issue. Can't fly. Where the food was unthawed. So we got to wait until the food unthaws before, you know. On a long flight, uh, there was some other thing. There were, uh, there was a wheel malfunction. I've had that. A wing malfunction. Uh, a light in the restroom one time. That little tiny closet they call a restroom. Because uh, any mechanical thing, they can't fly. No matter what it is. The smallest of things. You lost an airplane. <laughs> they say, we don't, the airplane is not here and we don't know where it's at. When we find an aircraft... We'll let you know. Hour and a half later, they found an aircraft. So that was that story. I wonder if it was the actual plane. Like, was it the actual plane? Or did they find, like... The plane? The plane? plane, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that was... uh, I didn't ask any questions. It was late. I wanted to get home. But how many many times do you guys watch movies on an airplane? I'm usually working. I'll watch one once in a while. Yeah. I'm a sleeper on a plane. I can yeah. fall oh, asleep. Yes. I can fall asleep before the plane takes yeah. off. Yes. We were, we're taxed. Speaking of which, on, on the last flight, when I did the shorty flight from Sacramento back, um, this, uh, you know how Southwest, you, you get the, what do you call it? You get the, the numbers and, you know, if you don't check in 24 right. hours in advance, yep. you're going to be in the back. Well, I was one of those guys. I was like in the late B group or whatever. I like to sit in the front, you know? And, um, since I lost my A status, you know, another seat snob. Yeah. What a oh, shot. Seat snob, right. So I, this lady is sitting in the front row. Okay. And she has her kid with her. I don't know. Kids like 12 years old, something like that. Right. And she's one of these ones that like, Oh, I'm going to take up two seats. So no one sits next to me. You know, you ever, you ever had those? I might have been. You, I might have been there. You might have been there. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So I don't want to go in the back because it's a full flight. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a full flight, so please pick the, the closest seat, the nearest seat, so we can get on with it. All right. So front row. I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, pretty good looking. <laughs> Kid, 
I can tolerate the kid. No problem. Uh, do you mind if I, I, I sit here? You know, no problem. Uh, it was like, <sighs> I got the eye roll and this and that. And, you know, half of me wanted to say, okay, I'll keep moving. But, you know, that's front row seat, you know. So she actually was on the aisle and she moved over to sit next to the kid and the kid was in the window seat. So I'm going, wow, did I score? I'm going to get that aisle seat. Mr. 6'2 gets an aisle seat or whatever. And I go, oh, I'm thinking she's being nice, right? It's just, I go, well, thank you very much. I go, so you're moving over to let, let the tall guy have aisle seat. That's sweet of you. She says, I want to sit next to my kid. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the, so the, I've done the Lori and I where one of us will take the window and yeah. the other one will take the aisle. Yeah. You know, so if somebody doesn't want to be stuck right? in the sand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And here I'll go in. I'm not a, really a middle seat guy, but here's what I found out. That in the Delta Comfort and stuff like that, I'm okay with the middle seat because at least I get the extra leg room. So I'm okay with the middle seat as long as the people next to me don't stink and, you know, that sort of thing. But anyway, so I was accused, and this is why I bring this up. I was accused of sleeping at the end of the flight. The, the lady says, oh, yeah, you were sleeping. And I was pretty tired, but it was like an hour and 15-minute flight. I guess I was I, I was sleeping, you know, probably embarrassed myself. Who knows what? But then nothing wrong with a nap. Yeah, nothing wrong with a nap. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so anyway, on the back to the long flight. Hold on, she just called in and gave me a, a live report. Of, yeah, of you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like D'Angelo right there. Uh, she said she recorded this with her iPhone. Very, very nice. Very nice. Okay. Uh, nice kid though. Nice lady too. Right. Kind of hot. The question is, did you get a selfie? I, I did not. <laughs> Why did you not? Was I supposed to get a selfie of what? I mean, you get a selfie of every place you're at. No, no, no. I usually don't do the plane on the set. Well, I guess I have done. No, I didn't do that. All right. So anyway, I was looking for a movie, right? And so we've had these stories before yes. about the the last one. I thought the pickings were kind of slim on the movies. So, you know, and they're going, they're alphabetized and going through all that stuff. You guys are not going to believe what I settled on. I have. Take a wild guess. And something that came out probably, you know, year, year, within a year, I think. Who knows what? Get the music ready, Numbchuck. Because you're not going to believe this. Did I you mean, get Bl- Black Panther? I did not get Black Panther. I didn't find Black Panther on that one. But even then, uh, just for Cartwright's sake, I, I might have went with that. No. The pickings were so slim. And that's a long flight to Connecticut. You know what I'm saying? I went with Magic Mike's Last Dance. <laughs> I'm out. That's, that's... Been fun. I'll see you when I'm back. From it vacation. was pretty good. It was pretty good. I got to be, you know, Channing Tatum. I mean, I kind of like the first one. I was like, okay, what's this about? And, uh, and then I, I don't know. Was there another one after that? Which I, I, I'm not going to go I don't know. That. I'm out of this. I'm just. Did you never? I'm s- just playing music. <laughs> Is this the one with Selma High in it? Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, you're back, oh, in. back in. Oh, back in. back in. <laughs> I had no idea. I said, but seriously, the pickings were. I, I must have taken a half hour to pick a movie. I said, I want to watch something. Why? Because I forgot. My music, because I got my music on another phone. I didn't bring that. I was so upset, you know. So I was pleasantly surprised with Magic Mike's Last Dance. Pleasantly surprised. I would have opened with Selma Hyatt. It, you know, it just 
give yourself a little bit of you know. I saw Selma Hayek flick. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what I would have said. Anyway, yeah. but you you know what you could have watched probably. What's that? I'll tell you if it was on there. No, no, no I, I, I I did that before. Remember, I, I actually watched Blazing Saddles. Oh yes. Hit the whip, baby! He Mark, you know about hitting the whip. <laughs> saddle, so anyway, yeah, this, that wasn't on there. Uh, old, old movies like that wasn't on I know. But you know what was on? Because after the movie was over, still had like another hour, uh, they had reruns of I Love Lucy. Why would that be on a plane? I, just, I don't understand the choices on planes. I don't know. You've got some splaining to do. <laughs> It's the first time I watched I Love Lucy, seriously, since probably I was a kid. Yeah. Pretty good, though. And you know what? It was the first episode, too. And that's why I wanted to watch it, because it said season one, episode one. Pretty good. All right. Uh, there you go. Um, what else you want to hear about? Uh, basketball Hall of Fame. I got to go to the Basketball Hall of Fame. But there's a story that was surrounding that as well, too, where... I only had basically like a half hour to go to the... I didn't know that Springfield was outside of Hartford and that it was like 20, 15, 20 minutes past the airport. I said, well, I got time to do this. So I go through it and just do a quickie of the Basketball Hall of Fame, took plenty of pictures, boom, boom, boom. And I said, I, I can time this out. I'll get to the airport one hour before you know I, I get on board the plane, this and that, boom, boom, boom. And then so start heading back, even though it was kind of 5 o'clock traffic. I said, I, I think we'll do this. You know, got my 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 lift driver, you know, going crazy. And then all of a sudden, boom. Woo, 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 woo. Here comes the ambulance. Here comes another ambulance. Woo, woo, woo. I said, oh, no. What is this? Fire truck. Another whoa, fire. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Boom, another fire truck. Is it bad? Uh, ambulance that, was, fire that was the worst ambulance well, I've ever I, heard in my I life. Know. So now you know what's happening. I'm going to miss my flight. Because now traffic comes to a standstill. It's a parking lot on a Friday afternoon, 5 o'clock, going from Springfield to Hartford. I am a mess. I'm panicking, all the way panicking, thinking, oh, no, what am I going to do? I'm going to miss my flight. And then that, this is one that's going through Atlanta. Yeah. Travel stories galore. Long story short, um, I was trying to direct traffic with the driver and go that bike lane or whatever they have there, you know, and like, oh, maybe can you go back roads? It's like, oh, so there's a big decision. Do you take the chance? And the airport's 11 miles away. And we're just sitting there saying 11 miles. I said, there's no way I'm going to make the airport. Sure you will. And then I, I, and I made it, barely made it. And things kind of broken up. And this lift driver, I'm not kidding, put the pedal of metal and was going like 80. That lift driver got a good tip. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, Mr. Panic losing your wallet, I mean, I was in that panic mode of like, oh, my God. You know, it's like, and then because, you know, if you miss it because of traffic, and here I'm thinking like, oh, I'm being punished because I want to be selfish. I'm this close to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. I want to get a quickie in there. And I said, oh, because then I'm going to have to pay extra money for a flight last minute. What do you think that would be, Marco, from Connecticut to, to Vegas? Last minute. Last minute, probably a thousand dollars. Exactly right, one way. Wait, hold on. There I was one it. thing that I heard in there. Yeah. Breaking news. Breaking news. What I say? You actually tip. Yeah. 
Contrary to popular belief, I'm one of these five star guys where I, I got a good rating because I, I I believe in in, in in tipping. Yes. Okay. Num check. Yeah. His tip was take the Astros tonight. <laughs> that was his tip. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. I got. I, I'm a little upset that some of these restaurants were closed, you know, early in the in the casinos, closing at nine o'clock at night. So that was a, a thing. But uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this. You guys will. Oh boy. I, I know. So you know, I was in Sacramento. I was doing the golf tournament, right? Golf. And I was. You better talk and, quiet. We're yeah. talking golf. Okay. Yeah, we're talking golf. And so basically, my role was emceeing the thing afterwards and rolling around, going to different holes, and it was pretty cool because I ran into my high school catcher. That uh, when I was a pitcher in high school, I haven't seen this guy in 40 years, and it was pretty cool. And he had played baseball, went in the minors, this and that, all this other kind of stuff. Anyway, so we're taking some pictures, right? And and I had my shades on. I lost my shades. My shades are gone, and I'm flipping out. And you don't understand. I've had these shades for like probably five years. Okay, got him back in sack. It, you know, is in their bougie shades, their bolets. Of course. You know what I'm saying, right? Okay. So, and again, I guard this like my wallet with my keys with my life. And I, where do I do? So I'm going back with, you know, Tony the Tiger Lopez, who we've had on the show. He's there. So I'm, we we're taking pictures and go, where do I? So I get in the golf cart. And of course, I have a driver, just so you know, Marco, because I'm bougie like that. And the driver is, is driving, Big Game James is driving me around, you know, to the, where'd we go? Where'd we go? Where'd we go? This, that, where'd we stop? An hour that I'm driving through 18 holes and trying to go back around where to go, where to go. And I remember I stopped. Oh, right here. We stopped here. We stopped at Dave's dog stand. Hot dogs. Well, the, yeah. So he's at the hot dog stand, right? What kind of hot dogs do you got? And this 16-year-old kid serving hot dogs. And, and my friends are going, oh, no, don't, don't get into the hot dog story. This poor kid. You're going to torture this kid. <laughs> what kind of hot dogs you got, kid? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, they're all beef. Oh, really? What kind of all beef? Uh, I don't know. Poor kid. Hey, don't make the kid go check. Sure. He's got to go check, right? He comes out. He goes, uh, Hebrew national. I go, okay. I'll have a couple dogs. Uh, you got a grill here? No. How, how do you fix them here? You throw in a, they're, they're a hole at a golf course. Uh, they steam them. Okay. I'll, I'll try. Well, apparently that's where I left the shades. Hour later, I come back. Oh, back to Dave's dogs. This and that. And get anybody see a pair of shades? And there's the kid, 16 year old Jacob sees the shades. I did the happy dance, Marco. I did the happy dance. I found my shades. I lost them for over an hour. I'm going crazy. I thought they're gone. The, the honest engine policy, they, you know, someone turned in the shades. They found them right there on the ground. They were right next to the hot dogs and the Pepsis. It was beautiful. But here's the kicker of the story. I got my shades. I put them back on, right? And now I'm wearing them for the rest of the day. And I go back to that third hole, talking to my catcher and this and that, right? And then... I get out my shades because I took them off and put them in my pocket. And I pull them out of my pocket, and I have these shades with me today. How do you like my shades? <laughs> it's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Describe what you see real quick, Marco. I see one, just one arm of the, uh, the glasses. The other they broke the in my pocket. I survived the lost shades. Five, probably eight years I've had these bad boys. They're pretty expensive. And I haven't thrown them away. They broke in my pocket. That was the karma for the hot dog episode. <laughs> Putting that poor kid through your snob of being a hot dog. How's this look? So I'm wearing the shades anyway. And I had somebody say, my buddy, my pet catches a, you know, here. That's not a good look for you. Take my shades. They're not as good as yours, but here, I'll give you my shades. I want to fix these shades. 
Are they repairable? <laughs> we leave you with that. I'm sorry. That bored you to death, but that's my story. I'm sticking to it. God, I love these shades. <laughs> all right, my friend. Appreciate you being here, Marco. Putting up with all the nonsense. Uh, it's just a wealth of information today. We didn't cover one baseball game. <laughs> baseball? Baseball? What's that? Been very, very good to me. Thank you to Brian Salmon for joining us. Marco D'Angelo. All the sound bites that we got from the parade. I appreciate Numchuck for not being at the parade. Marco for kind of being at the parade. Wagyu Burgers, thank you very much. Pictures galore. I don't know. I'm done. This is any part of the show. Go to the website. You want more of this? Terrible Tuesday tomorrow. Stay tuned. Show.com. Yeah! Get it, Jake! Get it, Elwood! I'm done.